Well, I mean, are you using Persian yeast? <laughs> that might be the problem. We hear it's the best. <laughs> Layla's dad's the best. Yeah. It's grown in Mexico, but it is the best. <laughs> that might be the problem. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today, we have very special guest, Tim Russell. Hey, Tim, who are you and why have you made the terrible life decision of joining us on this podcast? Uh, I drank too much. and Good man. <laughs> That's both reasons. I started the distillery and then talked to you guys. So I own Maggie's Farm Rum. I founded that, I guess, it would have been about seven and a half years ago. And here I am. I was waiting. I thought that pause was to check for us to fact check you if it really was seven and a half years ago. <laughs> Just to let us do math. Um. Yeah. Don't ask us. And also, uh, yeah, we know of you well because I, I believe you guys were talking about this before I jumped in. But you win all the freaking awards because you make really good fucking stuff. Nah, it's not all of them. I mean, it's a good amount. Yeah. This is this is the kind of podcast that you just come on and we fluff your feathers a bunch, and then <laughs> yeah. halfway yeah. through we just start tearing you down. That's, yeah, that's yeah gonna it's, it's going to get real gross soon. And you're going to like, if you're not crying, Zeno will cry. Someone's going to cry on the podcast. Like that's the guarantee. I, I my barriers are up. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be just fine, Tim. Uh, and Tim, where is your distillery? Uh, we are in the strip district, which is the kind of old timey manufacturing, uh, warehousing district of Pittsburgh. Excellent. Um, which you, I believe, I believe you like Pittsburgh as much as I like Pittsburgh. Um, uh, probably. I mean, I think you like Pittsburgh. And I like it. So anybody who's from Pittsburgh really likes Pittsburgh. That's yeah. a rule. Yeah, because it's the fucking best city ever. I live in New Orleans. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh's better. Yeah, like there's cities I really like, and I, I wouldn't live there, though. Like I'd, I'd visit them for like two weeks, and I'd come back to Pittsburgh. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm visiting New Orleans for like, I don't know, five years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> five year visit. Uh, cool. So we definitely wanted to have you on because uh, shit went crazy in Pennsylvania um, during this COVID-19 pandemic. And you kind of had a unique perspective of what happened to your business. Uh, and I'm not just talking about hand sanitizer because that's all we fucking talk about anymore. <laughs> Um, so can you like, tell, tell us what happened there. We can talk about the history of Maggie's farm rum and all that and all kinds of fun stuff that you're working on. We can get to that if you want, but what I really care about is that information. So when the stuff started ramping up and obviously hit other places first pretty hard, I mean, it was like West coast, Florida, New York, New Orleans. and then like, I don't know the weird thing about, especially Pittsburgh, there used to be a saying, it was like, anything that's going to happen in Pittsburgh Anything that's going to happen anywhere will happen to Pittsburgh. It's going to happen like five years later. <laughs> and that's not the case anymore. Like things are actually happening. We're kind of on the forefront of a lot of shit now. But um, anyways, like stuff started, you know, Philadelphia obviously became more of a hotspot at first. And we were just kind of like waiting for it. And then I think it was like March 14th when the kind of the stay at home things came out originally. And then it went from, well... You know, stay at home, and these businesses have to stay at home and then shut down. And then, like, another line, uh, like a rollout of business had to close down. We were, we were preparing for it. I mean, we were pretty secure. Um, I mean, I'm not out like th- you've seen my place, like, I'm not out throwing money around everywhere. Um, so, pretty like ready for it, I guess, as ready as we could be. Uh, so, we were getting ready to possibly have to shut down, at least maybe still kind of run some things in the background, but just not be open. And uh, they allowed specifically liquor manu- alcohol manufacturers to stay open. So it included wineries, breweries, um, distilleries. Despite that, they did close down general retail, which included the Pennsylvania liquor control stores. Um, as many as like control states are in, this, in the country. Pennsylvania was the only one to completely shut down liquor stores. Yeah, they closed every single store down like on March 16th, right? Yeah, out of I think like 800 to 1,000 stores or something like that because they've been opening a lot recently. So I don't know what the final total, but every single one just closed. They gave them like a three day notice. It's like buy your liquor now because we're shutting down. 
Yeah, I remember reading an article that said like before the shutdown came, like re- uh, retail or those control stores were hitting like 120 percent of the store's usual weekend. Oh, uh, I think it was more than that. It would have probably been like 200 uh, percent or something. Oh, like that's more. Wild. Even because yeah, everybody just stocked up, like shelves got were getting cleaned out. Like I saw pictures of stores where were just like you'd see the shelves of maybe twenty percent full. Jeez. That's and insane. then, but yeah, we. I mean, our like we're pretty tall, small distillery. Um, one of the benefits of Pennsylvania is we are allowed sort of we can do wholesale manufacturing, which we do. Um, we do retail, which is just selling bottles across the counter. We also have a cocktail bar. The cocktail bar is like a big source of our revenue. It's probably split like three ways pretty evenly. And we lost two of those whole streams because we weren't going to see any wholesale orders come in. And the ones we had open were froze, including the PLCB orders. Um, dining in, which will be our cocktail sales, that was shut down. So our pretty much only chance was to do the retail sales. Right. Uh, so we kind of, again, ben, we talked about this earlier um, offline, but we, about six years ago, the state passed a law to allow Pennsylvania distilleries to actually ship direct to consumers in the state. So I can drive it to your house and hand it to you. I can mail it to you, you know, at your doorstep via FedEx across Pennsylvania if you're in Philadelphia. So we still had that outlet. So we kind of switched gears to being like this online merchant. Um doing like delivery service where there's a local delivery you have a sweet rum runner truck what's that don't you have a sweet rum runner truck like do you have a truck <laughs> oh that thing broke down that was like a 1970 <laughs> chevy that looked like the coolest most brilliant purchase in the world have you ever driven a truck that's 50 years old no no power steering <laughs> and it wasn't like restored or anything it cost as much as the bottle just in gas to get to the delivery <laughs> yeah it looks cool. And that's for it's full like, pallets. It's a terrible idea. And they're not balanced well. Like you can't I've got a little four cylinder van now that actually holds more weight than that truck did with like a three fifty, three quarter ton capacity. But I actually took it to get it inspected and they were like Yeah, I took it to get inspected and they were like, Yeah, just just get rid of it. Like the guy wouldn't even quote me a price on getting it like fixed just to pass the inspection. Oh, that's rough. So now it's just like it's an ornament. Like it looks good in pictures, and that's kind of just what it does now. It's marketing. Did you already have the infrastructure in place for the online ordering? Were you? Yeah, yeah. We had like an online. Um, you could order it, and it would, we would just get the orders uh, like through Square, and we would ship via FedEx. We were doing probably like maybe three or four orders a week, um, typically. But we had to like gear it up too, that also make it so we could actually do direct delivery. Because we didn't want to charge people. Because the way it was signed and set up was a flat rate. Because it's kind of tricky with FedEx when you're doing alcohol shipments because it costs a lot more for an alcohol shipment because they've got to like check your ID and stuff at the door. Um, so we had to change the flat rate because we were doing local deliveries and we had to not charge people 25 bucks if we were just getting delivered down the street. Um, so it's kind of a there's a lot of growing pains and a lot of you know trying to tell people to read instructions, which is just fucking impossible, <laughs> um, especially on this like large scale. Yeah. Not our typical demographic. Um, but yeah, the store shutting down was crazy because it's not like there's addicts out there. It's not legal to be addicted to alcohol. You know, these people aren't criminals, but like there are people that are addicted to alcohol and they just had their stream cut off completely with like no way to. Right. And that's a health concern because then you're flooding, you're potentially flooding hospitals with people that, yeah, they shouldn't be addicted to it, obviously. But in that scenario, you're overwhelming the capacity anyway. That happened. I mean, there was a report I read out of Pittsburgh on, I think it was Channel 11. They had uh, some ERs were seeing surges in people coming in from alcohol poisoning because they were drinking lighter fluid. They were drinking antifreeze. Ooh. They were drinking isopropyl alcohol. They were drinking hand sanitizer. Hmm. They didn't realize the distilleries were open. Um most people at that point didn't. So we saw a kind of an uptick just in our normal customers, just kind of ordering stuff and kind of like, hey, hey we just want to show you some support, you know, keep you around. And it was great. And then things started to get weird. You know, we started, you know, seeing like a lot of the, the weird orders coming in. Um, you'd have, we'd have people getting like a bottle every other day, like delivered to their house that we were like driving to. What are you guys sound surprised by that? It, we've never, we would not, I mean, at our price points, we've never had to deal, deal with it. Like, I'm a little off guard, but it was like, okay, this is the reality of, you know, this world. Um, 
But I mean, yeah, it was it was weird. But then they just kept getting like bigger and bigger. Like more and more people kept finding finding out. And I don't know if they were like sharing stuff on like Facebook or message boards, but I mean, the, it just kept growing like crazy. Um, the weird thing is too, we couldn't we didn't have people. I mean, we kept everybody on that we could. There was a few people that just couldn't work because they were more high risk and they they just couldn't work, which yeah. was like fine with us. Like, okay, cool. Like you stay at home, be safe. We also didn't want to bring in new people to help out because that just throws like a wild card into the bunch. So you don't know who might have what. I mean, the good thing is that we all kind of work together. So in a weird way, we were still kind of quarantined with each other because we either were at home with our respective families or we were at work. And that was still kind of relatively as safe as we could be. And the deliveries were all, you know, no contact. Like we all, my wife actually sewed like a shit ton of masks for everybody and we had gloves and stuff like that. So it made it pretty, you know, cut and dry. Um, but yeah, we started getting overwhelmed with stuff. I mean, we, we figured it out. We had more efficiencies we developed. Um, we started like figuring out routes and things like that. But it was insane. We blew through our entire inventory of packaged products. It's oh, been <laughs> uh, it's been about a little over a month. I think almost like five weeks since that happened. Since the stores were closed. I think we've done four to 5,000 bottles just like straight retail. And I've not even I haven't even advertised it. Like I've been afraid to like actually advertise that we were doing because you can't potentially can't meet the demand. It would have got yeah. We haven't been able to meet the demand. Um, Like everyone's been busting their ass, kind of working overtime and getting deliveries out like crazy, which is awesome. Like we're proud of all that. Are you able to get more raw materials in? We were our our sugar supplier out of Louisiana. They actually shut down, and we got nervous, but we had an order in, but they got it out like right before. The problem, that bottleneck though, is our fermentations. Like we're doing three week plus fermentations. So you're kind of just sitting around twiddling your thumbs away, yeah. waiting for that stuff. Um, I'm going to say every week uh, we're putting out probably about 150 gallons, 150 proof gallons a week, maybe if we're on like a good yield. But I mean, we were blowing through that. Anything we had packaged was gone. Even the pallets of stuff that was like frozen that were wholesale orders that were pending, like we blew through those things. Uh, As of, I think, last week, one point, last Thursday, we were just out. Like we were out of everything. Um, Luckily, I actually got an order of like some really shitty Virgin Islands rum in. (laughs) I was like, I don't like, we're going to fucking close. I mean, I'm not complaining. Like the revenue is good, but it's also not sustainable. Like, yeah, we can make all this money now, but we're not going to make money after we close down because we don't have anything to sell. Right. And I got an order in through a transfer permit that I had with Ultra Pure, and we got like a pallet. We got a freaking tote of the Virgin Island stuff. And I was like, well, at least I can bottle this. So we, I actually just developed a new brand name because I wasn't going to put it under our name, obviously. Right. And I was like, here, it, it is what it is. It's rum. Like that's what most people want. Quarantine brand. I hope that's what you named it. No, I I thought about some like really kind of like snarky things to say, but I'm like that's probably not the time for this. Um, yeah. We came up with a very like Pittsburghy thing to say. We just called it Forbes Rum because it was <laughs> something. I mean, other than calling it like Black and Gold or City of Champions or something like that, like <laughs> super corny. It's at least a little bit classy still. Um, yeah, I mean, I want City of Champions Rum. <laughs> I mean, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you don't want to go into this, Tim, I understand, but how how long can you like last? How much longer can this shutdown go on for you guys before you're out of product, before you're you can no longer make new product? Like what are you guys looking at in terms of time frame? The off brand it's hard to say exactly. I mean, we're like our heads are like above water. You know, we're kinda of, like stretching our necks out. Yeah. Um, like everything's still getting done. Uh, this this new off-brand rum is kind of like holding things down. Um, we were able to get out like a new uh, batch of spiced and dark, which is the weird thing was it was the white rum. The white our white rum, which is like I love our white rum because it's like it's really hard to make well. You can't fix a bad white rum. You know if you have an off if we have like an off batch, like oh that can go to spice rum. Um, but the white rum's got to like be good off the bat. It's got to ferment well. It's got to distill well. That's normally our worst seller because people usually don't want white rums um, yeah. or they're not going to pay like a high price point for a white rum. They're just going to get Bacardi or something like that because they're just mixing it with Coke or whatever. Yeah, they're used to shit white rum. like so. But everybody bought our damn white rum because <laughs> that's just what they're accustomed to doing. And it was our cheapest product at like 28 bucks. 
So the white rum like blew through completely. And our white rum too is not soft still. Like we rest our white rum in stainless for like three to six months. And we just not you can't just turn that stuff over. So the white rum went through completely. So the best thing to do was I was like, okay, I can at least service that rum and coke crowd with this Virgin Islands rum. Um, and again, we put it under like an off-brand, um, said exactly what it is on the label, you know, complete transparency. I didn't really want to associate it with our rum at all. Gave it like a value price point, like 19 bucks, and also like threw like a donation tag on there. It's like we're going to give some money back to people that aren't doing so well, which is the other weird thing. Like we, like everyone's like so boned right now with like hospitality or, or almost anything, but like we were doing well, so that just kind of felt awkward. So it's like, okay, we can give back a lot more doing it this way. So we were making donations off of every bottle we sold also. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm in the same in the same boat, except we're making it with hand sanitizer, not uh, booze. Um, <laughs> we're making money, so it feels even worse. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing this thing. You're saving lives. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the mayor called me, actually, to specifically told me that I saved lives. I thought that was weird. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Bill Pedito called me like on my cell phone. He's like, hey, just wanted to... Because most of the sanitizer we had made was going to the city. Um, I hadn't secured any kind of like consumer packaging or anything like that. So I was just like, all right, we've got it in bulk drums. And I don't like, I'm not going to go through the hoops of, you know, figuring out selling this shit and whatever. So we were like cute packages. So we just, we ended up just donating everything to, uh, to the city for them to use for like the cops and firefighters and stuff like that. That's great. Did you make sure to tell the mayor that he know that he now owes you a favor? Like old school mob style, like yeah, and I'm gonna remember this. I taught the assistant fire chief came in, which is scary as fuck when the assistant fire chief walks in your distillery. Yeah, exactly. Especially our distillery. Yeah, exactly. How how do you heat your stills, Tim? How do you heat your stills? Direct fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Tim. Well, one's we have a boiler and one. The other one's direct fire. But no, I I I was talking to the fire chief, and I was like, I was kind of joking with him. I was like, you know, I just. I want one get out of jail free card, like a misdemeanor, <laughs> misdemeanor of my choice. Uh, and uh, he's like, "Well, I don't know about that, but you've never, you're never gonna have a problem from the fire department." And I was like, "All right, I'll take that." Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. That's awesome. Uh, and reason number nine hundred nine thousand nine million that fucking Pittsburgh is better than New Orleans. I'm not getting calls from my mayor <laughs> <laughs> or favors from my fire department. Ah. <laughs> uh, so as far as like a sustainability, like I don't know yet. I mean, I think the governor released sort of like a, it wasn't a timeline, but it was a plan to reopen, like the phases that were going to reopen. And the first thing that opened, like retail can reopen, which means liquor stores. But in that first phase, bars and restaurants are still closed. They're, they're dying, they're takeout only. So Liquor stores are going to reopen, but we're not going to be able to have our bar open. So we're going to be stuck with retail, but we're going to lose that weird revenue stream of retail from everyone who can't get from the liquor stores. Mm. So I don't, and I don't know when that's going to happen either. So like, we don't have a time. Yet. Are you guys doing any cocktails to go? No, we can't. Any? Yeah, you can't walk out with any alcohol. Um, some some bars there's like like hidden harbor the tiki bar that we collaborate with on a lot of stuff like they've got really creative they've doing like takeout mocktails i mean they're those guys are so dedicated what they're doing like I, we me and my wife went and got some of the takeout cocktails the other day and just took them home and mixed rum and it's just you get a little tiny plastic container and it's got the recipe but they give you everything like they give you a coaster they give you a straw you get the little fancy umbrella like a swizzle stick everything but like the alcohol in the glass um, you take them and make it yourself. So some bars are doing stuff like that. So you kind of kind of collaborate. Sure. People know where to buy the alcohol and also where to you know buy the the mixers as well. Um, the state, they, as of last week, the state started reopening. They they launched the website. They've always had online sales, which I think were used pretty rarely. But they they're like okay, the online ordering system is going to be open, um, but it's only going to be open randomly. Because they weren't, gonna, they knew they weren't gonna be able to like service the amount of people that were gonna come. So they're just on turning it off and on. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Okay. <laughs> so they turn it on and they take so many orders and they shut it off. 
There's just a switch in some government office called the money switch. Yeah, so they're just like processing any order they can do, and they shut it off, and then process the orders, and then they turn it back on. So it's totally rare. I literally don't know a single person that's gotten through on it. And even like the booze writers and like the local papers and stuff have been trying just to like document the process, and none of them have been able to get anything through. Okay, Tim, did the did the PLCB did they? communicate with you at all about what the reasoning for closing all the stores was it was it no, I didn't hear a single word. no we did not even like through our deal they didn't mention anything i don't think we were acknowledged the as far as the closures the board the board like they're their own little thing like they're like a little club they don't even answer to the state right so it's funny you mentioned that because literally just like, there's five people like there's an actual board of five people that are appointed by somehow they're not appointed by the governor or anything like that right. there's like no like, oversight right right they have no like they don't listen to anybody like the state has to like ask them to do things or not do things <laughs> so so the reason i brought that up too is because i just saw yesterday a press release came across my desk that said uh that talking about a study that came up came out about the flexible pricing that the PLCB does. Uh, essentially what since it was like Act uh, Act 39 in 2016 instituted flexible pricing for liquor. And it says that uh, there was a 9.8% increase in flexible pricing on Pennsylvania consumers. Um, and essentially it looks like there's going to be another price increase in August. How familiar are you with the flexible pricing thing? Is that like an issue at all or? Not totally. I mean, in, in normal times, it's... They've got different sort of levels that they deal with. Like we are, I want to say there's bailment suppliers and non-bailment. I think we're non-bailment. So like we supply an order and then we get paid for it. Granted, it takes like 60 days to pay us, but we get paid on day 60. Um, The bailment suppliers are sort of the bigger brands, you know, Diageo and and stuff like that. Um, That affects more than the flexible pricing. I mean, we have, when we supply, it's like most of the other control state. When we supply something, there's a sort of a pricing calculator and we can kind of back into the retail price we're targeting. And then whatever that, that wholesale price that we get paid is, we can kind of target that. And they're, they're just, they're weirdly okay with, I mean, they're not, they're, they're bureaucrats. Like they're not trying to like wheel and deal with us or stuff like that, which is kind of nice. Like I don't, I don't see a lot of pay pay for play stuff. Um, from good. what we do granted i don't know how you get you know display cases and end caps and things like that but for, for anything else it's pretty straightforward which is actually kind of nice i mean they do seem like this big evil like thing they've gotten a lot better at least with working with small suppliers in the past uh probably four or five years so why do you why do you think they decided to shut down well still letting just uh, i understanding the governor it was a direct order from the governor Maybe it was just like a lot of liability thing because it was like a state thing. They are state-run stores. I mean, of all the control states, Pennsylvania is the biggest. I mean, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is the biggest single purchaser of liquor in the world as a single entity. That's crazy. So, I mean, they've got I, the largest amount of you know consumers that are coming into a store at any given time, I suppose, so... Yeah, but it was, I think it was for an order from the governor was to like all the state stores had to close out. And I'm guessing maybe this is liability things. You've got not only, you got state employees and things like that. So that's, that's all I can imagine the reason was. Um, as of actually Monday, they started doing curbside pickup, which was, went about as well as you can imagine. Um, probably <laughs> worse than the internet ordering was. Oh, that's great. But you, ha- you have to call in to a store's like phone number. And place an order. And I think they there are 100 stores in the entire state. Out of like a, probably a 1,000 stores, 100 open for these call-in. And it's not like you don't order online. It, you, you literally had to call. You had to make sure you got through because they don't have like a phone system with like multiple lines. Like someone just <laughs> had to be answering the phone for you. And that person is out on the corner delivering booze to the last person. Right? Yeah. And then you place the order, but they have to then check the inventory to make sure it's in that store. So you're not going to get anything fancy. Like don't look for, you know, some crazy single barrel, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, you have to make sure they even have the inventory to check it, or you're going to like fall out of queue. If what you order is not in stock. I saw, I've seen two reports now from papers. I think Penn live, which is in like around Harrisburg. And then also some of the Philadelphia Inquirer was a story I read. And they, they wanted to test the system. And this, the, the writer, he, he started like Monday morning when it went live at 9 a.m. Like he called in. 
He logged 159 phone calls trying to get through to place his order. That dude wanted to drink. And he did it. Like, he got through. Like, he placed his order, but he said it was just, like, it was just a process. Well, he lives in Philadelphia. I mean, out of 159 phone calls, 147 were busy signals. So most consumers are just going across, like, state lines, right? Yeah, you've had, uh, I think I think Delaware was even, like, shutting the border down and, like, patrolling <laughs> to keep... Keep people out. To keep Philadelphia people out. Delaware uh, should just have the cops sell booze at the border. That would be the move. Can Pittsburgh shut down their border to keep Philadelphia out too? Because that would be fucking. <laughs> West Virginia shut down. Or no, West West Virginia. They you had to have a West Virginia ID to buy alcohol, and then Ohio became the new bleed over point from Pittsburgh. So Ohio, the governor. I think it was last week. The governor from Ohio was like, it, it, well, he was direct about it too. He's like. It wasn't in the whole state of Ohio. It was just the counties bordering Pennsylvania that you had to have a Ohio ID. But yeah, it was insane. Like how many? Yeah, you just, you just cut off how many people from having like any source of hard alcohol. Um, I know. So breweries were open, wineries were open. So there was still and beer distributors were open. So you get and even the grocery stores that sold beer were open. So you could still get beer and wine pretty easy. But it was just the hard liquor that got cut off unless you, like I said, knew about a distillery. Were breweries delivering too, Tim? Brewery, yeah, breweries can deliver. Um, uh, breweries have been doing really well because I think people just are used to like drinking at bars. So those people, instead of, you know, I mean, breweries lost their keg deliveries. Like that wasn't happening, obviously. But there didn't, there was no loss of demand. Like people that were drinking, you know, draft beer on a Friday night at the bar were just going to drink from, you know, cans or growlers at home. So breweries I, in Pennsylvania, that package beer, I know they've been, I think, okay. But if you were like a really tiny brewery that just had like a little tap room, but you don't have like canning capability, like you might be kind of boned. Um, but the ones that can pack it or doing takeout and delivery seem like they're doing okay. I don't know how a lot, like I haven't really had check-in with a lot of them. The ones I've talked would, to, seems like they're all right. Would like growler to go growlers not be? Growl, yeah, growlers are legal. not a thing? Yeah, growlers are legal, but the problem is nobody is filling old yeah, growler. known at the bar yeah so like you can't bring in like your dirty ass growler at the, you know sitting there <laughs> for five weeks they're not going to touch that so they're only doing new growlers but that was a short on growler glass because that was the first thing everybody did was bought brand new growlers so now people can't do growlers so the guys with the canning lines seem the ones that are doing like pretty pretty healthy what about the growler the canning the, the like right that's a thing say that again the growlers the like can yeah that's actually working out like some bars that can do the crawlers um and that that helps them get rid of their draft beer they're they're kind of stuck with so i yeah just a couple days ago i I got a couple of those things um so that i mean that 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 helps too i think of like steve at roundabout he does crawlers right um steve's canning now he's canning i actually literally i got lunch today i went out to uh lorelei which is like the new lager bar that came out of the uh, company that does Hidden Harbor and Independent Brewing, but um, yeah, I got a, I got a, a can of I got like they're doing uh, like to go sausage cart things with their whole like Alpine theme. Um, awesome. Yeah, I got a can of like uh, German style lager that Steve had put out from Roundabout, and then yeah, a couple of days ago I got a thirty two ounce thirty two ounce crowler of uh, I forget what I had. I'm thinking a Grist House beer or something like that that I'd gotten from Independent. So that like, that stuff's kind of keep kind of keeping people pretty sustained. Like you can definitely still source alcohol. It seems like PA's definitely not taking the PA producers are not taking the brunt that you're you're kind of seeing seeing elsewhere. Yeah, you just kind of have to be prepared. I and some will say that people aren't prepared, but the people that you know can do package and like wholesale have been okay. But the anyone who's depending on like just you know draft pint sales is yeah, it's kind of worth. yeah. I mean. Foot traffic when everything's shut down. Global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's coming to clean your tap lines? <laughs> right. <laughs> Tim, what uh, what laws do you think might change, hopefully, in your favor because of all of this and spirits, you know, production favor? In spirits production? Yeah, or distribution or whatever. Like, <clears throat> you know, people are starting to say that, people are starting to say that. You know, direct to consumer nationally might have yeah, some I've, legs now. Yeah, I've, always, I've always wanted direct to consumer. I mean, it's hard for me to complain about anything right now. 
um, with the way things are, are going. I mean, we'll see once it all settles out, but yeah, directness. I mean, the fact that you can you can ship wine direct and not spirits is still kind of just just awful. Um, and there, there's no windows for growth on distribution anymore. Like that shit closed down like pretty hard. I mean, you can get pick up a distributor here and there, but you know sometimes they're not really worth a shit. It's almost more work and more money. You're still expected to do all the sales, right? Um, and it, and even the sales is the hardest part. Like you need people in that market that know that market. I mean, you can blow so much goddamn money to try to go in and sell shit yourself, even if you have a distribution outlet, but it just doesn't matter unless you know the right people well, Tim, to talk to. Let's play the what if game. What happens if they had closed down all the liquor stores in Pennsylvania, but you did not have the capability to go direct to consumers in your local area and within the state? What would have happened to you? Would you guys be still okay or would you be looking at closing up shop forever? Uh, we want to close up for our, I guess like we were pretty fortunate that we were financially secure. Good. I mean, we would have bled a little bit, but I mean, our biggest expenses would have been rent and insurance. I mean, obviously like it, we wouldn't be able to maintain the employment staff. We just have people some working in production. So you'd have some bleed off there with, with no revenue. We would have been okay with that. Like we've never stretched ourselves thin, but I mean, yeah, that would have boned a lot of people if they couldn't sell at all, but you might've seen like a freaking riot. If people couldn't get liquor at all. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, oh, it's in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Right. Like you took away, you took the hockey season ended mid season. Um, stupid baseball got <laughs> taken away. Like, so, okay. <laughs> Pittsburghers are already getting pissed. Football's still up in the air. There's a freaking virtual draft going on right now. Um, so it's insane. Yeah, if they told him he couldn't drink, I, I, Pittsburgh definitely would have been rioting. Good time to be a fan of video games. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that it actually even happened the way it did, closing the stores. I can't even imagine what curbside would be like, what kind of lines, what kind of efforts you would have to go through. I'm just thinking, and that's what non, I grew up non quarantine lines. Everyone's yeah, right. Less than six feet. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's, yeah, but I mean, there are people that just don't understand, like, the level of stupidity that we've kind of dealt with that are like coming out of the woodwork to buy liquor off of us is just, it's, I can't even fathom it. I mean, I haven't gotten the strangest requests. I mean, the best so far was, Ooh, let's hear them. So far, the best was a, a, a woman emailed me and she, I don't it wasn't even in the email. I think her entire email was at the subject line. Like, it was nothing <laughs> in the body. It was an AOL. It was an AOL email address. And then it was like, I would like to order two gallons of Jim Beam and a bottle of kosher wine for Passover. Solid. <laughs> so I can't, I can't help you with that. Like, yeah, we've got, we can sell you liquor, but I can't help you with things like that. Um, a common request has been tequila. And I don't know sure. where to start with that. Cause then I start going into this like nerdy rant about how you can't, we can't legally do it, but that's not worth trying to explain to anybody. Yeah. Um, there's like one distillery that was doing agave out east, uh, outside of Philly. Like I would just try to refer them to that. Um, vodka is a common request. We're using like Shopify online. It's got really cool analytics and it shows you what people search for. Mm-hmm. And I think our top search items are vodka, Bacardi, coconut <laughs> rum, and hand sanitizer. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. Like we're not we're not processing orders here because I don't want people coming in. I don't even want to like touch your credit card. No offense, you maybe you don't want to, you know, my your credit card touching my hands. So like we're processing everything online in advance. But there's people that like don't use the internet that are trying to get liquor, and it's just trying you. It's it's really frustrating for them even just to like tell yeah. them that. Um, we had one guy that that called in, and all I <laughs> all I had heard the guy say was, "I don't have a website." <laughs> pretty sure he just meant he didn't have like an, an internet access or email but he just said i don't have a website so now like this is one guy that has like we have like this exception for like he calls in and we will like just run it through the pos because we know his credit card now oh pittsburgh i love you but he so orders like he orders a bottle like every two days god damn and we're, the uh, thing is, we're we're doing like a deliver, like we're not like it's a del- we're charging a delivery fee, which is pretty nominal. It's like five bucks, but it's like 
order six bottles a week. Don't order a bottle every day and pay five bucks for delivery every day. That's okay. Zeno just has people coming into his facility and he just fills them <laughs> yeah. up right there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I refilled the well, 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 first we were allowing that. Like when the stores were closed, it's like, okay, people can come in and we we had like hand sanitizer out and like all the stools and chairs were put away. And like, I just didn't trust these people that are coming in. I mean, like just the people that are already not taking care of themselves because they're like alcoholics are just like, come to like hacking and coughing. I'm like, I can't have this shit. Like I need to, like, we just like, we're locking the doors. And then we're like, oh, we're doing delivery only. We did delivery only for the first two weeks. Then we kind of eased into the curbside pickup, which like relieved the uh, the guys that are doing delivery. So who do you have doing delivery? Is it did you hi- you didn't bring any other people? So it's just you no. We so the base of our sales guys are doing deliveries. Okay. So they're like That's- the highest paid delivery drivers in in <laughs> the country. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a hazard job for sure. I love it. I there's some I love like mindless driving around. Like I I was always that like kind of road warrior type. My so like my my personal best is I drove from Pittsburgh to Miami straight. Yeah, this Other is a like, Pittsburgh thing. My brother like my brother does the same is it? thing. He he dude, he's like, "Yeah, I drove to Pit from Pittsburgh to Dallas and like didn't sleep at all." And I'm like, "That's insane, man." Oh. <laughs> I did 24, 24 hours. It was for the, the Miami Rum Festival. Uh, it was probably about four years ago. I drove from Pittsburgh because we brought down like a shit ton of rum. And I'm like, I'm not going to package all this shit and like fly and like ship it down or whatever. It's expensive as hell. So I'm like, we'll just, yeah, we'll save money on flights and we'll save money on shipping. We're going to drive down. And I got my dad's Dodge Ram. And I, yeah, I drove, yeah, it was from Pittsburgh. To, it was 24 hours straight. Other than like gas and like food and like piss breaks, I didn't, I didn't like, we didn't stop or sleep at all. Yeah. When Mad Max hits, you're going to be fine, man. <laughs> well, in that old beater car too. That <laughs> 70s Chevy. He's got a weld spikes on it. It's going to look awesome. Yeah. Finally, you have a what was I going? Oh, the driving thing. Yeah. So like, I don't, like in another, like if this all falls apart, like I'm just going to be a truck, like an over the road truck driver. Like that's just like, that doesn't bother me at all. So like the whole delivery, like, I'm not dealing with like asshole distributors or like drunk customers. Like I'm just in my car and like listening to the radio and like seeing stuff. And I love it. Honestly, some of the other guys, like they hate it. Like it's driving them crazy. Cause it's kind of like mindless to them, but I don't know. I, I don't mind at all. Like I've been, I've been like their utility player. Cause like either, cause I'm not dealing with a lot of the like overhead bullshit that I normally do. So like if production needs help bottling, cause if we have like one guy left in production that that's able to work. Um, so I'm like, bot- like I'm literally bottling shitty white rum here, like right now, like in the, after before and after this uh, podcast, and then like other jobs, I'm just like I'm just filling in any deliveries that they need done as well. Brian, so utility player—that's a sports reference. In baseball, that's a player that can play many positions and can just can be used a lot of places. I'm their John Wayner. That's a Pirates. Uh, reference. I love sports ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is why. Yeah, I had to explain it to you. I need you to understand when he said utility player. No, honestly, that meant a lot to me. It saved me from having to Google it. <laughs> um, the John Wayner, that is fucking amazing, Tim. Um, he's a local boy, too. Yeah. Right. There's probably like a modern utility player, but I don't think the Pirates are a real team anymore, so I haven't watched it in like 20 yeah. years. Me either. Let's let's be honest. Do we care? Right. Yeah, there's. John I know. I haven't. Yeah. Ah, great. Man, that is that was actually a really great explanation. You uh covered a lot of bases there. I I feel like it's so it's such a weird time. I keep trying to think about cuz I'm going crazy is when is this going to end and what is it going to be like? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh what the hell are you working on besides that? like what are you excited about, dude? Like we haven't talked. I'm a bad friend and I don't keep in touch with you enough and reply to your emails frequently enough. Um so what are you working on right now that like when all this shit's down, like do you have something laid down in a barrel that you're like, fuck, I can't wait to actually package this and people would be excited about it? Uh, I mean, one thing we've, I mean, I've not top, tapped into barrels because I mean, like I said, we were out of inventory, but like I'm not fucking with any, I'm not going to pull out like an age thing early. Yeah, because um, you're not. It, there was a little bit of a benefit. Like we, we had some questionable barrels um, that just weren't going to, they weren't going anywhere. Actually, I have two barrels of Queen Share. Which this will piss a lot of people off. There were some queen chairs that were coming up on two years. It was our next two batches, and I'm like, these fucking suck. I'm not releasing these. 
because uh, they were the double oak finishes and they got like over oaked. Mm. And I'm like, nah, fuck it. This is going to spiced rum. Too tannic or what? Too tannic, yeah. Because yeah. um, at first, that double oak, the first barrel of that double was always that sort of a uh, virgin toasted barrel. And they, like, it's two years ago. Like, I didn't, stuff I know now compared to stuff two years ago is just amazing. Um, but the mistakes I've made, um, but I'm like, yeah, this barrel's not going anywhere, so it's going to spice rum. So that's actually helped picked up production now a little bit. But we're not going to have Queen Share for like probably a whole year because of stuff like that. Um, we're coming up on a lot of three year barrels. We hit a few three year barrels around the holidays. Um, some were great. So those were like single barrel finishes that we bottled. Then some were really good, but not great. Didn't want to miss single barrels. So we actually blended some of them together and we did that uh, sherry barrel finish which I've been really excited about. Um, so again, three-year finish, uh, blend them together, and then did about another one to two months in an Oloroso sherry cask, just for like a nice, just really dry, rancio finish on them. Um, those have done pretty well on the awards circuit. I think we've got a gold medal out of San Francisco with one of those finishes. That's probably the probably my favorite thing that's that's in the pipeline right now. Um, it wasn't a lot. We did. I, I actually thought this was going to be a regular item. Like we had enough in the pipeline that was going to be pretty sustainable for our normal sales. And then that was like sort of the first thing to go once this run hit. You know, the states were shut down because people just started stocking up on like nice stuff at first. Um, so that kind of disappeared, even though I thought we'd have it as a full-time item. The next batches are going to be, we'll have a bigger batch ready probably come July. So I've got, I've got, a, I've got a nice glut of some three-year stuff that's coming out in July. So at least one of them we'll keep for a single barrel and the other ones we'll, we'll do the uh, another sherry cask finish on that one. It kind of bought you some time in a way too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, it's... it. it it's probably the thing I'm the most proud of so far is this, because it's just, it's not a blend like we were doing with the dark rum. Mm -hmm. um, it's not this like crazy, scarce, you know, tiny, tiny batch queen share like we were doing with some of the other stuff. Like it's something that it's like aged, it's a good amount of time on it, and it's like 100% ours. So it's probably the thing I'm like most proud of so far. You, I had asked too. So like you, you went through this, all these people buying all this booze, asking for Bacardi and Jim Beam. Uh, did you, you said you sold through all your package stuff. So did you sell through all like your Falernum and your coffee liqueur, which are spirits that you make that I fucking love. Um, I mean, I love your rum too, but those, especially the, both the, the coffee though, it's so much caffeine. It makes me insane. Um, <laughs> cause I, I drink too much of it too, but, uh, did those go like, how was that? Were those just to your, like your regulars or did randos come in and buy some Falernum? No, so this is the thing. It was the total opposite of what we expected. Um, our number one seller is the Falernum, which is like pretty like esoteric thing. But if you know about it, even if you just taste it, like that, you know why people buy it. So that's our best seller. It's really easy for you to make, right? <laughs> no, no trouble at all. Yeah, yeah. That's the one with all like the hand grated lime zest and and like fresh ground <laughs> ginger and stuff. Um, no one's touching it. Really? I don't know if people are looking to like bang for their buck as far as like an actual like alcohol to alcohol standpoint. Mm -hmm. Nobody's buying the liqueurs. I will pay an exorbitant amount for you to send me a case <laughs> of a it, it, it totally flip flop. Like I said, our worst selling item was our white rum because like nobody wants to pay premium for a white rum and that went to the number one product. And then the things like people didn't understand the name of like Falernum just dropped to the bottom. But even the coffee liqueur, like we're not even seeing movement on that. Like I've got a figure, some fucking pile and a half of coffee liqueur back there. We had batched up like just before this happened. And it's like dented into like not even a layer of it. Hmm. And the flyarms the same thing. I mean, the local, the regulars are still kind of putting in orders here and there, but no, the masses haven't really got into it. But that's fine because, like I said, it, it's just a pain he has to make. I don't necessarily need to like blow through it or you know. And that flyarm, I mean the the fresh grated lime zest. Like we do those zest parties, which sounds, sounds kind of creepy. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. Like that natural lime flavor, those lime oils. Like you can't get that anywhere. 
I think. Um, we've tried substitutes, but it doesn't work. Like we've even we, we sourced actual frozen limes that's from France. And it was garbage. Like it was just it was terrible compared to actually like doing it fresh. Yeah, um, what are the French you know? shells, like the dried lime fresh, that's <laughs> garbage. It's not zest at all. It's just it's just ground up lime shells that are left over from juicing. Yeah, I hope that I really hope that you wrote the French and told them that their food product was garbage. Yeah, you were like, "Fuck you, French." <laughs> I what do you know about, about food? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like like the shells are garbage, or the, the the dried zest is garbage. The dried stuff has all the pith in it, so it's super bitter. So the only way to do it is actually like the fresh hand created zest. And we do these zest parties where it's like we we throw up like thirty tickets on online. It's like, hey. Get a, it's a free ticket. We don't charge people to do it, obviously. Like we actually pay them. We give people free cocktails to sit there and zest limes for us at the bar. Yeah, it's awesome. They're free, but they get grabbed up in like 20 minutes. And there's a goddamn wait list for them. Like people love doing it. It's insane. Yeah. And I'm happy. Yeah, we, we, we give them like free cocktails in exchange for it. And it's great. Great. And it supplies us with zest because we can't sit there and do it by hand. But we have like <laughs> probably every month or two we'll have we'll do one of those parties with like 30 people and we'll go through like eight or nine cases of limes just with the zest we can't do that now like my Ohio distributor is nagging me because he's got their still stores are open he like wants a pallet of flarinum i'm like i don't have it like we, we we're actually pretty low like it's it's not getting bought through but like we just we can't make more though like i only have like enough to supply them but i've got other suppliers too that are going to want it as soon as this is all over right what kind of limes are they uh persian persian limes yeah that's hey you'll be glad to know one benefit in new orleans i planted a persian lime tree in my front yard so <laughs> there is that. i'm confused by that because they grow persian limes in mexico yeah, I don't know any of the details about that, Tim. I just know <laughs> that I could buy a Persian lime tree and I planted it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My my wife's Persian. Her dad's like one of those like everything that's amazing comes from Persia. Mm-hmm. So he says they're the best limes, but I'm like, I tried to tell him they're growing in Mexico, and he just doesn't. He doesn't listen to me. <laughs> um, that's yeah. So I really like your flannel. I will say though, when we're talking about when I was asking you about what you're so excited about. Every, I don't know, any time that I can come visit when I'm back in Pittsburgh and come by, you're always really excited about your white rum and the way it's headed, though. And I know you put a lot of effort into it. And maybe this isn't the way you want to sell out of it, but <laughs> you probably are, you're feeling pretty good about your white rum these days. No, no, I'm not. I... <laughs> Perfect answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just every I've got something like grape about probably once in a while. Like the white was going I think the white I don't know if it like hit a ceiling or what, but I'm like, it's good. That's about it. Like it's it's just good. I don't know. Um my problem is I go out and I kinda like I try other stuff and I'm like, okay, I like this, I like this, but like I can't necessarily make that or like duplicate it. Right. I think it's fine. I got this weird kick when like the Jamaican stuff started coming out and I'm like Oh, I need I need more of that. Extra. That's kind of a problem. Yeah. You can't just do that. You can't just make more of that, you know, or, or you know, make Jamaican stuff off the bat. So I was trying to get a lot more like complexity into it. And our source is different. Like, we're not using molasses. We use like turbinado sugar. Right. Which it was great off the bat. Um it was a little bit easier to manage because it's not like just you know sticky gummy molasses. It's really easily it's a lot more easily fermentable as far as it just the actual conversion because it's almost completely fermentable as opposed to like blackstrap or something like that. Right. Low ash, right. You don't have a fucking ton of ash to deal with. Yeah. So we have like, there's good yields out of it. You just need like a shit ton of nutrients and extra stuff added, added to it. But you lack a little bit of the ability to get some like complexity out of it. And we've probably within the source itself, we've done as much as we can as far as complexity. I mean, they said the fermentations we're doing are three week minimum. We've even pushed a little bit longer than that. Some of them we've done like five weeks. Well, I mean, are you using Persian yeast? <laughs> that might be it, the problem. We hear it's the best. <laughs> Layla's dad's the best. Yeah. It's grown in Mexico, but it is the best. <laughs> that might be the problem. Um, no, it's got it's gotten. I've even compared it like a lot of stuff too. Because we've been like I said for the, the the Hidden Harbor blend that we subcontract. I mean, we're mixing some Jamaican and like some French into that. And like that complexity kind of like gets at me. I'm like, I can't make these things, but it doesn't, it's not a bad thing. 
like those aren't necessarily better. They're just different. They're, they're better for like a different niche of people. Um, they're looking for something like that. And it's comparing them like kind of back and forth. Like I do, one thing I do like about ours is like the body is really nice. Um, it's really creamy. Um, and we're not getting like fruity character out of it. We're probably not ever going to, but just sort of the buttery. Has a great mouthfeel. Uh, great mouthfeel. What's that? Has a great mouthfeel, right? Like, yeah. So it's like the buttery yeah. notes, which are, you know, vanilla, um, buttercream character, I think is really unique. And I've not really caught that in some other, in any, really any other white rums. Um, and it's still fairly neutral. So it still works in like a daiquiri where like a Jamaican rum's not going to. Right. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's still a really, really good middle of the road rum. Um, like I, I don't hate it. Like I guess I'm just, kind of like overly critical about about certain well, things and that's that's why we're friends because i i mean that's the way i am with things like, i've never you're never satisfied right like you're really excited about things every once in a while but you're never satisfied especially with a mainstay like that i mean i make vodka for christ's sake and like <laughs> it's never good enough right um and like what are the guide rails that i have to work with but i think that your white rum it, what's great about it is that it's it's elevated, right? So what people know is white rum, like, no, white rum can be good. Um, and yours is one of them. I'm obviously biased, but uh, it's real nice. I think it would be, I live in the land where it's like fucking frozen machine after frozen machine. We literally, <laughs> we literally have drive through daiquiri places here. So <laughs> like, like to have something like that, I'm like, oh, great. You know, it's cutting into the Bacardi market, which is, which is awesome, and maybe some yinzers, some some alcoholic yinzers are are be like, oh shit, Maggie's Farm, and they're gonna remember this a year from now, when COVID nineteen was a memory that will come back. Yeah, the uh, one thing I was a little bit worried about was like when, like I said, the kind of the Bacardi drinkers came out of the woodwork to find it just to buy the white rum, which they obviously were. I was like, oh man, are they gonna like? Not that their input really mattered, but I was like, am I gonna get some just? people trashing me about how they didn't like it because it didn't taste like Bacardi or something like that. But I mean, the feedback that I did get was actually pretty positive. And we saw a lot of like reorders from it, like pretty frequently. Um, yeah. And just kind of like good, good comments about it and stuff like that. So. Yeah. That's that awesome. Nice. That's hard to do. I mean, yeah. A Bacardi drinker. I mean, one contrast that I'm doing okay, I guess, is when we did buy that tote of the Virgin Island stuff to like repackage. Man, I mean, that, that stuff's just, not good it's just just god awful it's like jet fuel i mean it's 189 proof so it's what it's a half a percent from cheap vodka and and for 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 good reason i guess but yeah it's still technically rum but man that stuff is just it's not good all right guys you got anything else i got nothing tim delivered a great deal of knowledge information and quality conversation which is not something we're used to so thank you happy to help I was going to you know, grunt us out with a final thought, but my final thought is it's nice to have another Pittsburgh person on here to carry the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That yeah. was good. <laughs> uh, and, uh, no, Tim, thanks well, for that case. On, yeah. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Have fun with me. Yeah. All right. Love you, dummies. All right. All right.